Oh my God, welcome back to Liquid Gold. All right, is it a paradise or a war zone? And would the tequila sunrise make a really good snow cone? It's summertime. Welcome back to Liquid Gold right here on the We Own This Town Network, weownthistown.net. Subscribe, give us a rating, all that good stuff wherever you get your podcast. My name's Mike Wolf, right here with you today, your host, along with my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman, who will be calling up here shortly on the line. We'll get him on in just a minute here. Lots to talk about today, but this is Agave Month. August is Agave Month right here on Liquid Gold. Plenty of agave-related content to uh, entertain you with as the world continues to surprise us, depress us, and bewilder us. We've got some trippy stuff to talk about today. A fashion house party that uh, became national and worldwide news. Had a friend from Poland calling me about this mysterious party that went on. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about that. It being Agave Month, we're going to get into the Tequila Sunrise and um, the film and the cocktail, which has a really kind of an interesting history. We'll get into that a little bit. Also, have to mention the new ebook that will later be a uh, hold in your hand book next May of 2021. But the new ebook coming out August 25th. This is something I compiled. Um, and roped in a bunch of different bartenders from around Nashville and beyond. The book is Lost Spring, How We Cocktailed Through Crisis, and this will benefit uh, service industry professionals and uh, those who have suffered, you know, as a lot of people have with the, the tornado. People are still working through the damage from the tornadoes back in early March of, uh, of 2020 here. What a year it's been. Um, and this was just a way I, I was feeling particularly helpless about the whole situation that I was in and just wanted to do something to um, to try and turn it into a little bit of a positive and get together all of these amazing friends and so many talented folks that are in the uh, bartending community making cocktails. And there's a lot of cool stuff in this book. So do look for that. August 25th is, is the release date. We'll have more about links. You can check it out at turnerpublishing.com and Amazon, of course, will have a link for that. And before we go any further, have to throw a shout out to Liquor Liaison. That's at Liquor Liaison on Instagram. You can find us at liquidgold underscore pod on Instagram. But Liquor Liaison did an amazing kamikaze number two. The one that we uh, talked about on the last episode where Kenneth and I sort of devised our own tequila kamikaze as the uh, kamikaze number two uh, came to be known as a tequila shot or a tequila drink back in the what a lot of people call the dark ages of the cocktail back in the 1980s Uh, but liquor liaison they took the ball and ran with it did an amazing drink posted an amazing photo did a uh, did the pop rock salt rim and so check out that we'll be reposting that but i want to throw a shout out to them and uh thanks for listening and for making that beautiful cocktail that's amazing okay we're gonna we're gonna do our best here to get kenneth edmund on the line mr kenneth edmund my co-host how are you kenneth doing well mike how are you i'm hanging in there man yeah that's what i meant hanging in there and hunkered down hunkered down as fuck yep 
Um, unlike some people in Nashville, <laughs> lots to cover today in the uh, attention grabbing, in the headline grabbing world of Nashville partying, drinking, etc. Uh, where do we start here? Where do we start? Well, we did have on the calendar, and we should stick to our calendar so Darren doesn't get upset. Um, it's Agave Month on Liquid Gold, and we like to think that a lot of the disco era and 80s and 90s weird drinks, even even cool old classic drinks, are a lot of times better as tequila drinks. But the Tequila Sunrise happens to be a you know really important lazy man's drink because it's very far from being any kind of craft cocktail or anything, but still makes sense as a drink because um, one drink that we can reference when talking about the Tequila Sunrise is, and I, we didn't come up with this name, this is a, a classic tequila drink going back to the 30s that I've always loved, the Mexican Firing Squad which is essentially tequila, lime, and grenadine. And I think what myself and many other bartenders like yourself have realized over the years is tequila and grenadine is kind of incredible. The tequila brings out this sort of vegetal freshness of really good pomegranate-based uh, grenadine, and the fruity flavors work together. The vegetal and the fruity play off each other. You throw a little salt in there. The lime and the grenadine work really well. but uh, So that's one of my favorite tequila grenadine drinks, the Mexican Firing Squad. Super simple. Uh, quick recipe, I would say two ounces tequila, three-quarter lime, and a shade under three-quarter ounce of fresh, good grenadine, light pinch of salt, maybe some orange bitters. And then you're sort of, you're sort of near the tequila sunrise, but you're going to shake up a Mexican Firing Squad and pour that up in a cocktail glass and garnish with like maybe a little lime wedge or an orange wedge. Now the, to keep it on the recipe bent here, the tequila sunrise would be like two ounces of tequila. And I actually think reposado works really well here. Cause then you get the vanilla orange sort of, uh, uh, affinity that is really nice. But if you went two ounces reposado tequila, somewhere between three to five ounces, even six ounces, of orange juice if it truly is the end of the night slash the beginning of the next day. Um, And then a bar spoon, so an eighth of an ounce, to around a quarter ounce to a half ounce of fresh pomegranate juice, grenadine. And you essentially build this over uh, crushed ice or small ice cubes in a a big old tumbler. So you would do the the tequila, the orange juice, pour those over ice, then add the grenadine last, the grenadine will sink to the bottom, and there you have that beautiful hue that looks like a sunrise. In terms of visually, this is a really cool drink that you don't have to shake. You don't have to do anything with it. You just pour it into a glass and then walk into your uh, living room where you're renting like a really inexpensive small apartment off of Manhattan Beach because you're trying to retire from dealing drugs. And there you have it. That's beautiful, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so it's a lazy man's drink. It's it's a cool um, relic of '70s cocktail lore. It goes all the way back to so Liquor.com has a really good story about it. 
another source, uh, makemeacocktail.com. They've got a good source, of, uh, a good a good article about the history of the Tequila Sunrise. And then one that gets into the rock and roll history of the Tequila Sunrise is talesofthecocktail.org. Has a really cool story about the Tequila Sunrise in which they talk about how this was a drink that people were drinking in Southern California. In like the 1930s, 40s or something. Oh, sure. If you want to go way back, there was a place... um, in the 30s, making them as almost like uh, the El Diablo, which would later become um, Trader Vic's, one of his signature tequila tiki drinks, which um, a lot of people make the El Diablo now as just tequila, lime juice, creme de cassis, maybe a little soda or ginger beer. That's essentially what the first tequila sunrise was, was tequila, lime, or lemon, and some creme de cassis, maybe a little soda water. So totally different drink as it was originally concocted going back to the 1930s. And popularized in the 70s by one of the worst bands ever. No. Oh. <laughs> you this this goes back to when we first met and you you were kind of in charge of the playlist at Merchants and at least that day you were and uh No, never. <laughs> okay. Well, you you were at least you were at least changing the music. You have a story to share. Well, the Rolling Stones came on, and I was like, "Are you playing this music?" And you were like, "I hate the Rolling Stones." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this guy's interesting." <laughs> Not a fan. You know, you can't be perfect. Um, but so the let me just backtrack a minute because the. Um, <laughs> The old school tequila, lime, soda, creme de cassis version of the tequila sunrise goes back to um, the Arizona Biltmore Hotel in the 1930s. Then fast forward, fast forward to the 1960s, and there was a place called the Trident Bar. They were um, slinging drinks outside of San Francisco in Sausalito. Tales of the Cocktail.org, and they're they're really an informative piece about this. They mention how um, the modern day owners of the Trident, they also operate the Buena Vista Cafe, where the Irish coffee was first popularized in the United States. And there's actually a really amazing video if you want to look online of, of a bartender making Irish coffees at the Buena Vista Cafe. So there's a lot of cocktail lore up there. But then we come to the Rolling Stones, and in 1972, the Rolling Stones were in San Francisco, in in Sausalito. Someone made the drink for Mick Jagger, and he was like, hey, that's all right. That's all right. I'll say that's all right. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) um, he flipped for it, and they took it on tour with them. It was like, we'll take this on tour as well. And <laughs> that my uh, impersonations it became get- their mantra was like cocaine. And we reached out to their uh, 1970s tour manager, Phil Kaufman. That's right. You have affinity for the drink. Mm-hmm. And he said to us, fuck Mick Jagger. Wow. So actual quote, 
exclusive quote to Liquid Gold, and we're not even joking about this. Um, your buddy's with him. And uh, so you reached out for a quote, and that's what he gave you? Yeah. Like, uh, he teeters between any quote about his experience with the, uh, with the Rolling Stones is, fuck Mick Jagger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and fuck Keith Richards. Wow. Both of them. He's not a fan. So I am a fan of the 2010 autobiography, Life, <laughs> written by Keith Richards. Don't get me wrong. I, <laughs> I like Keith Richards a lot. So in that book, Keith Richards mentions how the, the tour had the, uh, had the moniker amongst the band as the Cocaine and Tequila Sunrise tour. So it really, it really was a thing on that tour. And then... I think it was because of that tour and the Eagles were probably like through their diabolical, like hating each other, wanting to kill each other uh, vibe that they had around their band. They, uh, they latched on to the tequila, to the cocaine and tequila sunrise bandwagon and then made a song about it. The tequila sunrise song. So it was a hit for them. uh, Not a number one hit. And uh, Glenn Fry described it as kind of Roy Orbison Kind of Mexican <laughs> uh, when he wrote the riff. Um, that's his words, not mine. And if we want to bring this all the way back to Nashville, a cover version was recorded by Alan Jackson uh, back in 1993, which I'm sure, like, to be fair about Alan Jackson, a lot of times when he goes on those, like, tribute albums or, like, he did the Hank Williams tribute album, or he'll go on like you know if he's doing a cover or something. A lot of time he just slays it and just crushes it. I'm not really gonna talk shit about him. Well, he sings simple songs, man. Yeah. And he's not like. He's just fucking good. He's not a political man. Uh, <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> you almost had me. <laughs> Those are the lyrics from the Iraq song, right? <laughs> I think it was just like. All right, nice try, nice try. Yeah, yeah. You almost, you almost got me. But yeah, the the Rolling Stones were credited as really making it a, a popular drink. It just kind of took off from there. Now the film, which we have both watched, now we did our homework. We watched the film, and oh, I. Th- you're speaking of tequila. Film. Yes, Tequila Sunrise, 1988 crime thriller. Written and directed by Robert Town, who is really famous for having written what many people believe to be the best screenplay of all time, Chinatown. He is the writer of Chinatown. He also wrote uh, one of my favorite 1970s films, Shampoo, Hal Ashby movie. He wrote that. But this Tequila Sunrise film, I don't know what you thought about it. I thought it was just, it's, it's a pretty complicated, strange plot. You've got Michelle Pfeiffer is just gorgeous in it. Her style is just through the roof. That was her goddess status, apparently. And didn't, hadn't you forgot about that when you watched it? Like, were you just like, oh my God, okay. Now I remember the whole Mil- Michelle Pfeiffer thing. I had kind of forgotten. Well, she was, she was pretty and portraying a strong woman conflicted right. with... A drug dealer and a cop. Yeah, the drug dealer played by Mel Gibson trying to retire 
for some reason, he's just trying to retire, even though he just seems to love it. Um, and then Kurt Russell doing his best Pat Riley with the slick back hair. And, uh, I mean, he looks great in it. Um, I don't know. I'm not a fan. Like, of Kurt Russell? You're kind of the, no, the, the hater. To... Yeah. You're the hater for this episode. But you might have a... Do you have a... you have a story on that one? Fucking dick. Like, like uh, I got to interject because I love a lot of movies he was in. Like, uh, Escape from New York was fucking amazing. Yeah. And uh, I was a fan of everything that he's done, except that my father hates the guy. Because my first trip to New York, my my dad took me to Central Park to a to some weird like uh, chess tournament. My dad's into chess, so what happened was we were we spent all day getting close to the front of the chess tournament, and my sister and myself were with my dad, and Kurt Russell comes through presumably with uh like uh third grade uh what's his daughter's name the uh there's kate hudson kate hudson yeah presumably kate hudson because we were probably about the same age and he strong arms my dad and he's like i'm kurt russell we're gonna check this out and let's just back up this is at the chess tournament at central park yes okay chess tournament central park kurt russell is coming through. Um, Kurt Russell is a an actor, and my dad <laughs> at the time is a is a Episcopal priest, and we had spent hours getting up close to watching. My father was teaching me chess at the time, and Kurt Russell kind of strong arms in. Dang, and my dad. Uh, my dad and him had words. Wow. And was he smoking a Marlboro Red? Kurt Russell? No. I just picture him having just, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Just elbowing his way in. And everyone was kind of like getting out of his way. As if hmm. it was like a beautiful like wedding or some shit. Hmm. But my dad got took issue with it. It was like, I don't know who the fuck you are. I'm on my dad's uh, my dad's shoulders. I was still like a small guy at the time, and you could have punched you could have punched Kurt Russell from your dad's shoulders. Probably didn't have the reach, but <laughs> my dad like definitely has the reach. My dad just like kind of like shoved Kurt Russell behind us and told him to fuck off. Wow! And Kurt Russell just made his way back around to his thing. He was wow. celebrated and we were shit on. We are like, y'all aren't cool with Kurt Russell? He was in Escape from New York. And my dad was like, why doesn't he escape from New York? You're going to escape on out of here. Uh. Like, he's in a movie called Escape from New York. From that point on, Kurt Russell, movies were forbidden. In our house, my dad took me to every radar movie that there was, but he would do his research and make sure, like, Kurt Russell. No Kurt Russell cameos, are there? Or, like, a, a producer or anything, like, 
Oh, man. He had nothing to do with Kurt Russell. That's my amazing. Dad, my dad's pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, like, uh, Kurt Russell movies are great, man. Like, this movie was great, too. Tequila Sunrise. Let's talk about the bartender in Tequila Sunrise. He plays kind of a major role. He's really looking out for Michelle Pfeiffer. He's kind of all eyes on all the customers. He's very suspicious of Kurt Russell's um, brazen cop in a in a well, really expensive early suit. Early in the movie, um, he decides to get involved because he because the chef gets wasted at the bar and Michelle Pfeiffer the. The restaurateur is like asking him why the bartender got the chef wasted. Yep. It blew my mind that a chef would come out and get wasted alone at the bar. Right, but he's. Wasn't he um, influenced by Mel Gibson's character to to kind of loosen up like that? Because it's never a chef's fault when they get drunk, right? Chefs are protected. (laughs) Yeah. But it got deeper. That movie got deeper. Like uh, the bartender was was very involved in that story, don't you think? He was. He was a. He was a, the moral compass, nearly, uh, to the film. So I'm sure that's why we we like it so much. Now I wasn't as as into the ending. Speaking of the ending, the credits roll up the screen like a tequila sunrise. So they're very red mm-hmm. and then as the credits roll up the screen they get yellow yeah that's kind of interesting and i think we this is where we could throw in that the movie tequila sunrise with an amazing bartender as the moral compass of the film and a big part of the operation that michelle pfeiffer is running over there he's not making tequila sunrises mel gibson's not technically drinking them at that bar at the restaurant and Kurt Russell isn't drinking them. Michelle Pfeiffer's not drinking them. The Tequila Sunrise, the drink, is not mentioned in the movie at all. But Mel Gibson's character, when he's home and he's lounging around and trying to figure out what he's doing with his life and how he is going to both get himself out of this coming drug deal and somehow make it out of this whole situation clean with his friend, Kurt Russell, trying to... Uh, potentially arrest him so that's the drink that he is clearly drinking in his apartment as he's trying to figure everything out he's got that he's got the glass and you can see the the little hue of red at the bottom he's got a pitcher going of them and that's that's one thing we could mention too if there's anything to learn about the tequila sunrise drink from the movie tequila sunrise it's that it would make a really nice uh, pitcher cocktail which mel gibson has there but I did think it was inter- interesting. They never mentioned the drink in the movie. But the drink is definitely in the movie. Drinks champagne in the movie. Yeah, champagne. There's like a there's a martini, I believe. Okay, one more thing to mention the, about our man Arturo, the bartender. The actor is Daniel Zacapa, who um, later went on in the 90s to be... He played the role of Detective Taylor in the David Fincher film Seven. So, had had a good career, um, and was also on um, Up Close and Personal, and uh, did a bunch of TV work as well. So, Daniel Zacapa, Arturo the bartender, one of the finest bartenders in cinema. 
we're probably going to have to do a bunch of work at some point. Maybe we can do this after the first of the year, 2021. Bartenders in film. That sounds like a good January topic. But so maybe the tequila sunrise is the perfect drink for where we find ourselves now, the end of Nashville, maybe the beginning of something else. Now I'm sparked up. Yes. Nashville now in, in worldwide news for really just international news. International news. My friend uh, Matt Campbell calls from Poland. What what the hell's going on out there in Nashville? They're talking about this fashion house party. Um, Lisa, Lisa Gaffert in Germany hit me up and told me about it. So yeah, let's talk about. Um, so there was a. We can just go to the basics of it for our listeners in Japan who maybe don't know as much about it. And then we've also, we've got some listeners in Germany. I think Germany knows about it. There was a super spreading soiree. That's what the Nashville scene called it. An East Nashville party where there were few masks, lots of people, and a very public sex act that happened. This was a party for the Nashville Fashion House, which um, really stupidly says that they're a a house that pays tribute to the fashion brands that have inspired them, whatever the fuck that means. Um, they did, they, they threw this huge party um, in the middle of a pandemic. And then they had Pickers Vodka as one of the sponsors. Pickers Vodka released a statement um, trying to clarify that they were not officially involved, though. If they you debate that they were not involved, but. But there were bars, branded bars of Pickers were on site. There were thousands, potentially a thousand people there. Not thousands, but potentially a thousand, so hundreds of people. The cops didn't do much. They came late to, they came and checked out the party early on, then left, then came back to kind of shut it down somewhere around two in the morning. So a lot of people were wondering about that. A lot of people are wondering like what, what the mayor is, is doing about uh, the scene down on Broadway and a lot of these bars staying open down there. The White House came out with a statement. The, this is a, this is from uh, News 4 Nashville, WSMV.com. Quote, the White House has released a statement after hundreds of people, many not wearing masks, attended a house party in East Nashville over the weekend. It was an unveiling party for what is called the Fashion House. It is now being investigated as a crime. Uh, we Our sources say that there are all kinds of uh, things on the table. In terms of who 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 is responsible, who who is responsible, and who who could be um, who could be getting into trouble with this whole thing, I want to mention your friend uh, Chris Crofton. He runs the advice column in the Nashville scene. Apparently, he is living out in Los Angeles now. Is that right? That is true. Really funny guy and good writer and everything. He yeah, he's the advice columnist, advice king. So he said, and I quote, when Columbus had to go back to Spain to get supplies, he left a bunch of his men there. He told them to behave. When he returned, the men he'd left behind were drunk, riding the locals around like horses. That's right, the locals. Not the locals' horses, the people. Why why did I bring this up? Because it reminds me of Nashville. In the Nashville version, the people who attended the fashion house party are like the men Columbus left behind. Maskless boars who fly into a town, get hammered, 
abuse slash infect with COVID, perform desultory analingus on the residents and leave. They might not even remember their visit to Music City. To them, Nashville is no different than Las Vegas, Spring Break, Daytona Beach, or Tijuana, a place where it's supposed to be acceptable to act like a monster, a place to ride the locals. And uh, he goes on to say it's time to get back to the goddamn music. And, um, yeah, he has he had a great little column about that. We want to speak on Chris Crofton. He always represented Nashville music and comedians and respect. And we're way past that in Nashville. In terms of our realm of um, talking about liquid that you drink here on Liquid Gold, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of controversy surrounding Pickers Vodka's involvement as a sponsor in the event, bringing bars and potentially cases of product to uh, to an event like that. Now there's video of cases of Pickers Vodka being offloaded to the event with bars brought in. They they made a statement. Their statement's been deleted off Twitter, and then they shut down a lot of their. They turned a lot of their social media to private. Which they, some of that behavior just makes them seem guilty in a way. So that's a little unusual. And reached out to a bartender who had done some work with Pickers Vodka in the past. Buddy of ours, Eric Melvin. Eric worked at uh, Silly Goose for a long time. That's where I first met him when I lived down the street. Eric said, uh, quote, I feel as though they do whatever they need to do to make money. They don't care who they rip off or who they use. I don't think as a company that they've ever had an original idea, and I'm a thousand percent sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. It doesn't shock me at all that they sponsored that shit show. It would take the actual apocalypse to force them to quit. <laughs> that is, end quote, that is from uh, Eric Melvin, Nashvillian. It's a story that we will uh, we'll be updating everybody about as far as what goes down. Mayor Cooper says a stop-use order has been posted at the Fashion House. This is over um, west of west of Dickerson in East Nashville. Cleveland Park, I suppose that is over there. Um, Fern Avenue. But it's also speculated that some of these guys have just gone back to Las Vegas. There is a band, Savage Before Midnight, that uh, some of these guys are involved with. That band, but that page... The Nashville Fashion House page, Pennington's Distillery, Pickers Vodka, all these, everyone involved with this thing, their Instagrams, their social medias have kind of gone private. They've pulled uh, some, they've been deleting comments. So it's a very crazy situation. You got the White House uh, commenting on it. We've got another story, Kenneth. These yeah. dark days of Nashville. The, the understory was an employee at Mockingbird in the Gulch got coughed on. Intentionally coughed on three times. Intentionally coughed on. Allegedly. That's what uh, the Charlotte Observer has reported this. And uh, there's a story in Newsweek. Newsweek reported about this. Maskless, maskless bachelorette partygoer who coughed on restaurant employee three times faces lawsuit. And we happen to know this person. Um, yeah, we worked with them. They were uh, very, very talented behind the bar. They were uh, not behind the bar for this particular situation. I think uh, they're an assistant manager as far as we know. 
Uh, now, Mikey Corona, who is the co-owner of The Mockingbird, he explained to uh, the Charlotte Observer and to Newsweek, quote, 10 women came into our restaurant and threw a fit because we couldn't sit them at one long table, a continuous table, due to phase two restrictions where no more than six guests can sit at a table. He goes on, they even began to defy the rules and pull the tables together themselves after we told them they can be reported for violating this condition of Nashville's phase two. They got up and stormed out. Most were not wearing a mask as they left. They were arguing with other tables as other tables were telling them to put their masks on. And before they left, one of them that refused to wear their mask turned her head and coughed a few times on one of our team members. So one of our good friends. Yeah, pretty crazy. In uh, let me sw- I'll go back to the the in the Nashville scenes reporting on the fashion house party. They mention uh, at the bottom of one of the articles, Nashvilleian Courtney Stone put it best in a tweet over the weekend. We fed the Nashville tourism beast for so long, and now the beast is eating us. So there you have it. It might be darkest before the dawn when you're about to pour a tequila sunrise, uh, but this is the uh, dark pre-tequila sunrise days of coronavirus in Nashville. People from these these girls uh, from the Mockingbird situation came up from Alabama to throw a bachelorette party and wear the wide-brimmed hats and get crazy. Maybe it's just not the time for that. I mean, that's why a lot of people love love Nashville if they spend any time here. You know, hey, the people are great. A lot of great music. What have you. But this is, uh, it, yeah, it has turned into something else i'll drink to that (laughs) uh does anyone need a shot (laughs) i don't think so like well that really mad we will update you on the progress of these uh investigations going on with these crazy stories going on now things are getting weird and weirder here in nashville and a little darker but uh hey this is agave month on liquid gold we've got more tequila to talk about we've got more drinks to come this month and we'll get into some of the uh weird cousins of tequila bacanora racia there's some cool stuff to get into for the rest of the month you can find us on liquid gold underscore pod on instagram that's at liquid gold underscore pod email us mess with us give us a drink throw us a riff liquidgoldpod at gmail.com Thank you to producer Michael Eads and everybody at We Own This Town. Thank you to Jess Matchin for the lovely logo, Upright T-Rex Music for the killer tunes. And we look forward to more on Agave Month right here on Liquid Gold. My name's Mike Wolf. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I'm Kenneth Devon. Later, later. We'll see you next time, everybody.